the giant thinkers giant thinkers podcast hey guys welcome to the show I'm Ram Castillo, and in this podcast, I'm bringing to you top experts from various industries worldwide to learn from their success and to help us become better designers, creatives, and giant thinkers. Hello there, wonderful listeners. This is episode number eight. We have a very cool guest joining us who brings a ton of value to anyone looking to start their own design studio or online store. Before we dive into this session, I'd like to mention that this episode is sponsored by our friends at Creative Live. If you haven't stumbled on them before, they are the world's leading online classroom for professionals with a comprehensive lineup of design classes that cover everything from typography to UX to learning Adobe programs to even starting your career as a freelancer. So if you head to creativelive.com slash design, have a peek into what they have to offer. And if there's something that strikes a chord in you, pair that up with the massive 25% off discount that is exclusive to you, the Giant Thinkers listeners. To take advantage of that 25% off, all you need to do is enter the coupon code GIANTTHINKERS2, that's GIANTTHINKERS, the number two, at the checkout for any Creative Live design class. This code is only valid until the 30th of November. Now, in this episode, we have a Sydney-based art director and designer with over 15 years experience. He owns his own design studio and has worked with leading international brands, including Coca-Cola, Nespresso, Quicksilver, Hurley, Globe, Lecoq Sportif, and Universal Music. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. He also runs an online store with his wife that produces a range of art prints, stationery, and paper goods. These products feature his distinctive hand lettering and design style. And there are currently over 200 stores worldwide that stock their products. The topics we talk about include starting out in the magazine industry, the importance of who you know, consuming your environment to influence and inspire your creativity, taking a sidestep in order to take a forward step, tackling business challenges, surrounding yourself with experts, listening to the market, and the power of an honest product. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Nathan Johnson, creative director of Blacklist Studio and founder of the Blacklist Store. And a sneaky side note, be sure to stick around till the end uh, as there is a little gift for you guys from Nathan himself. Nathan Johnson, welcome to the show, my friend. How's it going? Going well, thanks. Yeah, going really well. Thanks so much for having me on. Mate, I'm I'm super excited to have you on the podcast, as I'm sure many others who are followers and fans of your work. Uh, you really create some some beautiful stuff. Thank you. Thanks uh, so much. Okay, so let's dive into the first question, which is a little icebreaker that I do for every show. Um, your one is this. Are you ready for it? <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> if you could be in any movie of your choice... What movie would you choose and what character would you play? <laughs> That's a tough icebreaker, man. That's um, it. Well, they have to be tough. I think uh, I've got yeah. to stay original. <laughs> you do. Um, 
I don't know. I, I guess, you know what, something iconic, but not too cool. Sure. I don't know. I, I'd choose something like Jurassic Park or... Yeah, perfect. Something of my era that, that, yeah. is, that is kind of good, but, but not too serious. Yeah, nice. Have you seen the latest uh, Jurassic Park? I haven't. Park? I haven't, no. I'd really love to. Me, me either. I've really got to go see that. It looks, um, looks pretty good. I've heard some great reviews. Um, all right. So I'd love for you to tell us about your earliest childhood memories and what it was like for you growing up. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of grew up um, south of Sydney, about 30 minutes south of Sydney. Um, always loved creating, doing artwork. You know what? One of my earliest memories is with my mum actually, and um, just cutting and pasting things from magazines. And I think for me that was something that like maybe spurred something in doing artwork for a living or you know creating. I guess um, when you break it down. So, so yeah, that was that's probably one of my earliest memories, which I seem to never forget. So it's kind of stays with me, which is cool. Yeah, nice. Uh, similar to me, I think I, every time I could get my hands on something to to cut and chop and paste and draw. I mean, that that was the that was kind of the start. I think of uh, most most designers. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's funny, actually. My daughter, she's five, and um, she never stops doing craft. And I mean, we we encourage her to do craft. We definitely don't push it. So it's it's funny seeing her kind of take that on board too. Yeah. Did you, so, sure. so, I mean, she probably sees you doing a lot of that stuff. So did you, did your parents sort of have a hand in, in your creativity? Do you think? I think like they're very creative people. Like they always encouraged me to do what I wanted to do. Um, whether that was an accountant or, um, an artist, but yeah, like <laughs> I think just by nature, they were, they're just really creative people. My dad's really creative. He's in, been in radio and TV for years and years. So yeah, I think it's just, you know, you see what they can do and you see, oh, you know, they're not a plumber or a carpenter, they're kind of, you know, in media or communication. So it's definitely an encouragement as a, a teenager to see that and think, yeah, you know what, I can do something creative or something that isn't the norm. Sure. And and um, where where was this uh, uh, that you grew up in? Did, did you uh, grow up in a rural area or by the beach or the suburbs or, or what was it? Yeah, I, I grew up about five minutes from the beach down near Cronulla. So, yeah, for me that was weekends at the beach and hanging out with friends, and it was pretty, it was pretty relaxing. But definitely that that kind of beach culture, um, which yeah, kind of led me later on to you know work in the surf industry and that kind of thing. Yeah, unreal, mate. Um, I'm sure we're going to tap into more of that. Uh, you know how, how your environment has influenced your work and and I guess your your personality and and the kind of communication that um, you are uh, sending out there. Um, now, when you were a child, did you have any role models that you looked up to uh, in the creative industry, or even uh, I guess as a lifestyle role model? Did does anyone come to mind? Um, there was no one really specific apart from my dad, I think. And, um, I mean, he, he, he kind of worked in, yeah, like I said, radio and TV. And, um, it was actually in, in year 10 where I had no idea what I wanted to do, you know, and you have to do work experience at school. And he oversaw a communications department at this company and they had a small graphic design section, which was two people. And so I went in for a week and did work experience there. And I think that was when I kind of realized, oh, you could be creative and get paid for it. Like it was a real spin out to me that you could actually get a job after high school that you really loved and that you, 
really wanted to do for the rest of your life. And so, um, so yeah, definitely my dad's had a, had a huge um, impact on, you know, just believing that I can do anything and then at the same time kind of just living that out himself. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, um, you know, it's, it's almost just those little things that um, we we need when we're growing up, isn't it? It's just the clues. And even until now, it's like, well, um, you know, if someone that we know, especially our parents, um, have, have touched um, that direction, it opens up a whole other uh, level of possibilities in our minds, um, you know, and, and if we fast forward now to the present for you, um, yep. where would you say your expertise lies now? Um, I've always been a little cautious, like whether to say, you know, you talk to people at a party or something, they say, what do you do? That's it. Um, <laughs> I, I've never loved saying, um, I'm a graphic designer or I'm an illustrator or I'm an art director. I kind of would rather say I do, I do graphic design or, um, I do art direction or I do you know what I mean? So, um, I mean, I guess like at the base of it, like I'd like to think that I'm a creative person and that I can kind of work in whatever field. Um, at the moment, like I definitely do a lot more typography and hand lettering. And so that's just been a little journey for me over the past kind of, I'd say since I started at college, you know, 15 years ago, that's just been the, um, just that journey of discovering what I love. And so so yeah, in, in a roundabout kind of way, I'd say I'm a creative person and I live it out at the moment doing um, hand lettering and graphic design work. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, uh, you have certainly carved a style for yourself that um, your almost 60,000 Instagram followers can <laughs> um, can sort of attest to. Um, I personally am one of those um, followers of yours and and I'm so glad that you you brought that to light. I think um, it's one thing to say you're a, you're a graphic designer or, you know, you're, you've studied design, but it's another thing to kind of go deeper and go, well, that's so broad now, you know, what it is for sure. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's like, what, what are you communicating exactly? What, what need are you solving for the world and, and how are you using design as a channel, um, to, to make the world better, you know? Um, so we'll, we'll tap into that, um, you know, a little bit, uh, more, but, um, let's kind of move into how you got started in, in that area. Um, I'd love to know, you know, your journey from, from leaving high school and, and how, how you, you got set up and, and what you have at the moment, because we still haven't mentioned, um, what, uh, studio you've created and, uh, all the things associated with that. So, uh, yeah, give us the rundown. Um, so yeah, I'll start at the beginning. So I, I studied graphic design right out of high school at Enmore Design Centre, which is an awesome um, TAFE run college in Enmore um, in Sydney. And I actually got on the waiting list for that. So I applied, I was super pumped. I was like, this is what I want to do. And then um, got a letter back and said, you haven't been accepted. You got put on the waiting list. And I guess like I was a little bit bummed by that because I just knew exactly what I wanted to do. Um, as it turned out, people obviously dropped out of the course and um, I kind of I got my start about a week into the course and um, began studying. Um, but yeah, like I really loved to, to study. It was for me coming straight out of high school. Um, I, didn't, I didn't not like high school, but for me, I just knew I wanted to do design and to learn about that. So to go into an environment where there was 
other people around you creating and learning like that was a real eye-opener for me um so I was I was there for two years at Enmore and then I got like a little uh, work experience job at TV Week magazine which was by a publisher um, called Pacific in North Sydney and so they said hey you want to come in for a week and just do work experience and and I was like yeah this was this was in the holidays so I went in there and just really loved it and it was um, only a few months later where they said, we'd love to have you full time. And that was during the start of my third year of college. And I remember having a conversation with my dad and I said, I've got a, I've got a full-time job offer. Should I take it? Should I keep studying? And he was like, well, I'd love you to keep studying, but you do whatever you want to do. And I kind of thought about it and end up taking the job. So, um, yeah, I, I guess for me, like that was, that was a really exciting point to, go from studying what I really loved to then working in it and making money from what I loved and seeing my stuff in print. You know, I'd walk down down the street after the end of an issue and you'd see it on the newsstand, you know, what you've created. So, yeah, that, that was a real buzz for me. Um, so so uh, you, you merged into uh, getting exposure quite quickly, it seems, um, from studying. Uh, you, did you get that gig as you were studying? I got the gig just through a friend of my dad's who said, hey, I've got this other friend who works at TV Week. Does Nathan want to come in? So like it was it was kind of not based on anything that I'd done. It was, it was just like a, a friend of a friend kind of thing. Yeah, and that, that's exactly what, you know, it's so glad you, you pointed that out because that's exactly what uh, the listeners uh, need to leverage. It's networking, yeah. you know, and meeting people and having conversations and saying, hey, I'm available and I'm looking for a job. Yeah, for sure. And, and I know for me at the time, like it was, I was really excited about it. At the same time, it wasn't like, oh, this is my dream job, you know, but I was just excited to get a foot in the door and to, um, you know, stop studying and actually, actually get a job. And that was, yeah, I was really pumped on that. Um, yeah, just to actually work full time as a designer. was cool. I thought yeah. it was awesome. We, we have a very similar story in that regard. You I mean, I started in the mailroom, uh, after yeah, cool. college. That. That's cool. Yeah. You know, and exactly the same thoughts just to get your foot in the door. And, and sometimes, uh, you have to take a side step in order to take that forward step, um, which is exactly, um, you know, testament to you for seeing what, um, that opportunity could, could do now, um, after you've, you've kind of, uh, proceeded with a couple of years with, with TV week, which, uh, for those listeners that aren't in Australia, that's actually quite a well-known magazine. I don't know if people realize like that's pretty, pretty, um, you know, public, um, and they've got a lot of exposure. So, um, that's really awesome. And where did it move on from there? Because, um, as you mentioned, you know, it wasn't immediately like, oh yeah, I want to work for TV week for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, you know, but, uh, your passions are obviously in, in this sort of, um, beach sort of, uh, life and this surf culture as well. So, um, can you tell yeah. us a bit about how you transitioned from there to the next, uh, milestone? Yeah. Well, I think for me, like it, it kind of started in, in high school, you know, like I'd get every surf mag that was on the newsstand and kind of just read them. And I loved everything about magazines, you know, the format, the fact that it was printed on paper, it wasn't digital. You could run down to the news agency and get a copy and kind of flick through the pages and the ink was on the pages, you know what I mean? So I think um, that was definitely something that I was really interested in straight out of college. Um, 
And so, yeah, it, it was always my dream to work for a surf mag. I thought if I could somehow combine what I loved, graphic design, with what I do on the weekend, mm. surfing, I thought it would just be the ultimate job. So um, I ended up getting an opportunity to apply for a job at Waves magazine, which is a Sydney-based surfing magazine. Um, they're actually not around anymore, which is a real shame. But, um, but yeah, that was after working at TV Week magazine and then another teen magazine for a couple of years. Um, ended up getting a job at, at, um, at Waves in 2003, I believe, um, as an art director on the Surf Mag. And, yeah, it, 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 was, it was a big change from going from TV Week to Waves. It's like, you know, TV Week was a weekly magazine. They had maybe 25 staff. They had four in the art department. And then I went from that to Waves, which is a, month, a monthly magazine. They had myself, the editor, and a photo editor, and that was it. And so it, it was it was totally cool. We kind of just got to do whatever we wanted to do and um, I guess, yeah, design a really cool mag, hopefully. S- sounds sounds fun, mate. Um, and how, how many years were you doing that for? So I was there just under five years before I started Blacklist, um, which is what I do now, yeah. Awesome. All right. So uh, you did all that. You, you started uh, Blacklist. Uh, for those of you that are listening, uh, Nathan is the founder of Blacklist. Can you tell us about what the Blacklist studio is and, and everything that goes on in Blacklist? Yeah, for sure. So um, originally Blacklist, I was going to start with a group of friends who I worked in the magazine industry with. There was another art director and then another photographer. And we were working for this publisher at the time and we kind of had this grand idea over lunch one day and we thought, you know what, let's just start our own thing, break away, start a really cool studio. Um, and our, I guess our goal was to try and target, you know, surf companies and music, um, music labels and things like that and create a bit of a, you know, a studio where people would want to give you work to do. Um, they ended up, yeah, the guys ended up going in other directions and pulling out and so... Um, it was kind of time for me to leave waves. I, I, I thought, you know what, I want to just try something new. And so I ended up just starting it by myself. And nice. I, didn't, I didn't want to call it Nathan Johnson Studio, so I called it Blacklist. Is there a that story was... behind uh, the name? Well, yeah, we, we were originally chatting about um, what to call the studio when I was chatting with these other two guys and, and we just came up with it over lunch. We thought Blacklist would be really cool, you know. It's a little bit, um, little bit edgy, a little bit rebellious. And so... That was kind of what we felt like we were doing from this big company, you know. We felt like we were rebelling and going to leave and start this company. Um, yeah, so I, I, I guess I just kind of stole the name from them and and used it for myself. It's definitely got a nice edge to it, a bit, a bit of controversial <laughs> sort of uh, feel to it. I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really cool. I think um, it's so great to have you on the show because you are living proof of the old uh, just hanging out with my mates and had a conversation and went, you know what, <laughs> when am I going to... When am I going to, um, you know, start my own uh, design studio or when am I going to not work for uh, someone else and and when am I going to just really take charge and, and do this? You know, a lot of the times it's the reason why people even want to study design. Yeah. Uh, you know, the idea of whether you're freelancing or, or running your own show, uh, small shop or or large agency, whatever it is, I think um, it's so appealing. So, um, yeah you know, how long have you been doing this now? Um, I've been, um, 
I've been working in the in the since TV weekdays. Um, it's probably about fifteen years. Um, cool. Blacklist has been going for seven. I think this is the eighth year this year. Um, so yeah, I guess between those two industries, I've learned a little bit, but then every day I still feel like I'm still learning and <laughs> expanding my thoughts and you know, learning new things and how to deal with clients and deal with people. Yeah. So um, speaking of clients, what what clients do you typically deal with? Yeah. So originally Blacklist was started as a purely client-based studio. It was just myself in a small office space in the Sutherland Shire, which um, a friend of mine kindly let me lease for free for a couple of months while I started that up. That's handy. Um, yeah. It was really cool, actually. It was it was. It was kind of a bit of a start to to the company, so that was it made it a little bit easier, you know, going from a full time wage to to no clients and starting that up from scratch. Um, so yeah, like I, I basically just reached out to people that I knew, like you said before, just tried to network a little bit. And if you know me, you probably know that I'm not the you know the guy at the party that's talking to everyone. I'm probably the guy sitting in the corner. Sure. Um, so. I mean, I kind of networked in my own little way, you know, uh, reached out to people that I knew previously. And yeah, you know what, it just kind of started coming in. And I really did try and approach every job that I had as my ultimate job. So, you know, I, I get a job for a hairdresser to do their branding or something, and I just would tackle it with everything I had, try and make it the coolest hairdresser ever. Of course, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and then kind of started getting some some really cool projects, like some music projects. Um, Any examples the, you can share with us? Yeah, so what, and I, I started doing some fashion stuff too. So one of the guys um, I used to work with, Ronnie, on Surf Mag, his wife is the owner of One Teaspoon. And so I kind of just said, hey, do you need any, any design work? And she said, yeah, I need like a bunch of teas. Um, and then that turned into more and more, that turned into campaigns, that turned into lookbooks, that turned into fabric patterns and yardage prints. Um, I had another friend who had a friend who worked for Universal and so he kind of asked me to do some music packaging and that kind of thing. Yeah, it really was just whatever I could get my hands on. Mm, mm. And like I was totally pumped on that. It wasn't like I was aiming for, you know, Nike or someone really hip and cool I was kind of just set to um you know work on work on some stuff with my friend's business and then some cool little music packaging here and there and then the odd branding job so yeah like it, it was never a goal to to go crazy and and yeah it really it really was just the goal to go with the flow yeah which is, I love that yeah. I think um you know you uh, a perfect example of someone that kind of just goes, all right, look, um, there needs to be a starting point and, um, you know, you, you kind of have to, um, buy incrementally and everything will, will come from that. You know, it's kind of like, um, you know, we can't just go up and speak to Mike, Mike uh, Zuckerberg and go, Hey, I want a meeting with you. Uh, you need to have the smaller meetings that lead up to that. And, you know, same with the work, you need to get these, small wins. And, and, you know, I find that, uh, personally with my own freelancing as well, um, that you'll do one thing and then you do, you tackle, you tackle it as if it was, you know, your own little baby and, and do the best yeah. that you can. And then they're just so surprised that of, of, 
um, how much effort you've put in that they're just like, oh, we have to keep working with you. You know, this is, <laughs> yeah. this is cool. Yeah, um, for sure. That's great. Um, now, how did you tackle um, the, the profit side of things? You know, like, did you implement anything else besides the studio? Because um, as, as we know, like when you start a business and for those of you out there listening, um, you've, you've got to wear more than one hat. You know, you, you're designing, you're on the tools, but you also have to think like a business. Um, how did you kind of figure out, okay, how can I maximize uh, my income? Um, you know what? Like I, I remember at the time, like I had to learn, like you said, yeah, so many different things, invoicing, accounting, setting up for GST, whatever it was, like, you know, you're renting a space. Um, I really just tried to surround myself with people that were experts in those areas. And um, I guess that's still what we do now. You know, we're, we're a little bit bigger than when we started. And um, yeah, we, we definitely still try and do that now. You know, like a good friend of ours is our accountant and business manager in inverted, inverted commas. So, you know, we really just try and get advice where we can. We definitely don't know everything. But like you said, you do have to take on being the accountant you're the HR person, you're the employer, you're the designer, you're the person who gets the coffee, you're kind of everything. And so I think just, you know, having that, having the idea of surrounding yourself with people that are better than you at those things definitely goes a long way. Yeah. Now, um, besides a design studio, you're also known as a store, the, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. The blacklist store. So can you tell us about the addition of the blacklist store and, and, how you brought that into fruition it was yeah it was really something that came by accident um during the just after we started the studio just after i started the studio um in 2008 my wife was working in magazines at the time and she um she needed, needed a product to put in a put in a um a valentine's day gift guide and she said, would you do it like a poster or like a print poster and we can put in it, put it in the magazine, you know, and you could just sell it online or something. And um, I'd been doing some little posters here and there just to put around our, our own home. And so I did one up and then just started a little Etsy store. And I think we sold like two that week or something. And I was kind of just blown away that something could go in a magazine, people could see it, and then it could be then, you know, people could then buy it and then put it in their own home. So... Yeah, that was um, really something that we we really realized early on could be a fun thing to do. And so from then we we created collections. So we'd, um, you know, I designed, you know, maybe 10 different prints, 10 different posters, have them foil printed and embossed and that kind of thing. And then we put it up on our Etsy site and then released a, released a collection. And we do that twice a year. Um, and I guess, yeah, it just kind of gathered momentum. Um, we started getting emails from from stores wanting to put the um, put our products in their shops. And so we kind of then had to realize, oh, so how do we wholesale these? You know, how do we mark them down so they can make a profit and we can still make some money? And so um, we kind of worked that out over time and then started stocking. And um, at the same time, we, 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 we kind of expanded the range. So we offered um, prints and then we started doing like cushions and some more interior products. Um, at the moment, um, we just do a lot of paper products, actually. We, we do stationary notebooks and um, art prints and that kind of thing. So 
So yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. It's kind of flipped on its head. I used to do, um, you know, 10% of the store stuff and then 90% was client work for Blacklist. But now it's, it's definitely the opposite. It's like 90% working on my own products wow. um, for each collection and then 10% client work. And I kind of can take on just what I want to do with the client work, which is a real privilege. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's an amazing shift. Um, and uh, to, to hear about your story first about starting a studio, but now you, most of your time is going into the store. Um, it just goes to show like, you know, how important it is to listen to the market. Um, you know, there are so many design studios out there, but, uh, to sell products that are so unique, um, still designed by you, um, and just, sort of you know marketing that in a different way uh is hugely inspirational um mate so for, yeah. for those that that uh haven't seen your work um i i do encourage uh everyone to to look at uh blacklist uh dot uh, blacklist.store.com.au is that correct that's right yeah yeah so blacklist.store.com.au um but for those that uh uh, maybe driving and listening to this or, or a bit busy. Um, just, can you describe these prints of yours? Yeah, so, so basically we, um, there are a bunch of quotes or phrases or words that really connect with us and um, we release them in collections. So we do two collections a year um, and they're basically, they're printed on really beautiful stock from the US, a US paper company called Mohawk. Um, and we have them foil printed and embossed and I guess like each collection um, has a theme and so, you know, we might do something really tropical but then go something really black and white and we really, I guess, treat it, try and treat it like a fashion brand, you know, like each collection is quite different but it still ties in with what we've done previously so you can kind of match it in. Um, so, yeah, in a, in, a, in a nutshell, that's kind of it. Yeah. Um, now... You know, I think there's something to be said about the the emotion behind the work. Um, you, you know, people buy into uh, the the brand, um, and people buy into uh, you know things that they can relate to or associate with um, with their own beliefs and values. Uh, you, you guys have um, this this sort of um, how should I describe it? In my opinion, it's like this sort of quirky truth um but with it like a very positive affirmation yeah <laughs> um you know and, and if you guys um take a look at um nathan's work um on the blacklist store um or if you just go to his instagram um by the way what uh your instagram handle yeah it's um blacklist studio yeah That's feel free to check out blacklist studio for a quick peek at, at his stuff um you know um i mean why do you think it it's been so successful this this store of yours with these products yeah. i guess i guess for us like you said like we we're very positive people my, my my wife and i and we work together on the store products and i think for us like we really loved the idea that we could bring a positive message and then people could then purchase it and put it in their home it really was it really was as simple as that we we just we just loved that idea that you know, people could put something on their wall and wake up in the morning and kind of be reminded of, I guess, what life's all about. Um, you know, I think, I think especially on like social media and things like that these days, there's, there's so much negativity and, you know, 
tall poppy syndrome happening in Australia at least mm. and that kind of thing. I think it's like, you know, we all need a little bit of positive reinforcement in life and, um, and as creative people and as designers, I guess, it's the perfect opportunity to do that. And, yeah, like, like you said, I think people do connect with that and they, and they connect with those words and they connect with the message we're trying to convey. So, yeah, it's really encouraging for us, you know, like just seeing it work and trying to work out how we can push it further in the future and, and that kind of thing, but still trying, staying true to ourselves. Yeah, mate, I think um, you've definitely stumbled across uh, a need. And it's funny because uh, when I look at uh, your work, um, y- you know, it's it's kind of like I, I can definitely appreciate the craftsmanship and the thought behind it. But I'm sure a lot of people can just look at that and go, oh, that's just a, you know, a very ha- roughly handwritten quote uh, framed and, you know, why would you buy that? But I mean, for me, and, and I guess this is why, um, uh, you know, the success of, of uh, the sales and, and all this and, and for you being around for so long because of the store um, has been a testament to to it being completely opposite to that thought, you know, not everyone can, can do that. And, um, you, you know, you found something that you enjoyed, uh, you found something that, uh, you know, you and your wife and your family believe in that, that there should be more of, and you, you went with that. And, and I think it goes back to the whole scratching your own itch, um, thing, you yeah. know, and, and mate, you know, good on you for, for doing that. Cause I think a lot of the times, maybe, you know, for those listeners out there, we, can often dismiss an idea because we think it's not original enough. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, it's, it's not necessarily about coming up with something totally drastically new. Um, it's often, uh, um, you know, just the fact that you are different and that is enough. Yeah. And I think for us creating the products, it was, you know, and we didn't have this 10-year plan of how we wanted to roll the business out. It really was just, let's do what we do. I'm going to design how I design. And then hopefully people will connect, will connect with it because it's honest and it's what I believe in. And it's the truth. When I put my pen on paper, that's my handwriting. And then, you know, we print it really nicely. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's really cool. And I think, like you said, for those people listening, it's just about discovering your own style and then and then but at the same time maybe not even discovering your style maybe it's just to continue creating until you look down the line a few years later and you think actually I do have a style hmm. and I'd say that's my story like I didn't sit down one day and think you know what I'm going to create a style that is me like I just I just created and I just started doing things and you know making yeah. the posters and drawing and writing so yeah you um you picked up on a really important sort of um, context there, which is um, evolving and creating. And and this whole journey isn't something that is just so crystal clear right away. Um, now, how important was trial and error for, for you when running a business? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of everything in a sense, but at the same time, it's, you know, you, need, you definitely need to to pick your battles and, and, um, you know, kind of sift through the feedback that you, you get given. Um, I think a lot of it is just, um, guesswork and risk. Mm. <laughs> it's not, um, 
you know, we do we do these trade shows twice a year where you're face to face with our stores and so we can chat to them and and that's really great feedback. But at the same time, like it's probably not the most honest feedback you'd get because you know everyone's generally really encouraging. Um and so yeah, I mean you could look at what sells and then think, yeah, we'll do more of that. But you end up trying to replicate something that sells and it just turns out terrible. So <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Um can you give us any examples of of um, business challenges or, um, or business tasks, um, that, uh, you've overcome? Yeah, I think every week there's something that comes up. Um, I mean, whether it's working for a client or, I mean, with our own products, like we've had a lot of growth in the past 12 months. And so we've moved from having all our stock in our garage to, having it in our garage and a friend's warehouse and a storage unit to going. And then we just about six months ago, leased our own, I'm going to say quite big warehouse because it's quite big for me. I walk in every morning and I'm, I'm like, wow, this is a big space for us. But yeah, like that, that's a big challenge for us. You know, like um, it kind of, it's easy when you're in your own bedroom working away and you can put stuff in your garage, but you know, when it comes to, you need to lease 200 square meters, you know, mm-hmm. It's like it just kind of keeps getting bigger and bigger, but that's kind of the fun of it. So, yeah, and, you know, definitely challenges with um, accounting things and, you know, um, dispatching products and logistics and freight and all that kind of thing that you Mm. don't even think about when you think I'm going to create a product and it's like, well, where are you going to put it? How are you going to ship it? Is it going to be expensive? And so, um, yeah, you know, we've tried to just talk to people that are good at that and try and get some advice. So, so digging a little bit deeper with those new experiences um, that that you've tried, um, was was there any in particular um, of those experiences that was uncomfortable to you, um, or that was completely unknown? Um, and and how did you kind of deal with with that? Yeah, I mean, I can think of one off the top of my head. We um, we um, along with the art prints, we get our own we do our own frame manufacturing. So we basically have a factory making these frames for us to put the prints in. Um, just makes it a lot easier for stores to sell and for people to buy, you know, they, they want to buy a print, but then they think, oh, then I have to go and buy a frame. So um, our first lot of frames that we had made, we uh, worked with this factory overseas and, and we got them all back, you know, a 20 foot container. And um, I'm just looking through it and just thinking, these are horrible. These are, the quality is so bad. And um, anyway, that, that was a huge lesson to learn, you know, like we risked, risked all this money and um, I remember just feeling so down and so bummed and I said to Janie, my wife, like, what are we doing? We've wasted so much time on this stuff and let alone money and whatever. How many but, frames you know, did you buy? I think it was um, 1,200. Wow. That, that filled up the container, yeah. And they weren't right or? They weren't right. The quality was not what we signed off on. You know, all right. those lessons that anyone else dealing with manufacturing would, would tell you to, you know, go over, go and check it, double check it, you know, make sure it's awesome. But, um, yeah, like we've done quite a few orders from, we haven't used that same factory, by the way. But, um, yeah, we're now working with a really good factory and we kind of just decided to learn from that and, um, you know, it affected a few people that had bought them and that kind of thing. So, yeah. you know, we just had to manage that. But I think more than anything, it was a, it was a bit of an ego hit, you know, like 
you know, it was like, oh man, back to square one, you know, and you kind of had to tail between the legs and talk to people that had pre-ordered them and said, look, they're not going to be ready. So yeah, that, that was quite a big lesson. I always keep that in mind when we're working with new new manufacturers or, you know, ordering big quantities. Yeah, that's it. I mean, um, you know, sometimes you've, you've got to almost use that and, and you can either respond to it in a very negative way, or you can use that and go, you know what, it's probably good that that happened. And it's just going to make us, um, you know, uh, stronger in terms of our, um, ordering, uh, processes. And, um, also what you said, just going back to the customer, um, and being honest, I think it's often we make it bigger of a problem in our heads. Um, but when you go back to the customer, they will, um, sort of empathize with, with you and respect the fact that you've reached out to them and gone, look, there's, you know, this, this wasn't, uh, arriving, um, as we had expected. So sorry. And a lot of the times that's all that customers need. They just want that transparency yeah. and that honesty. They do. Yeah. And there, there was actually, we found, um, most people had quite a lot of grace within that too. Um, you know, we kind of, we did a trade show shortly after that and then, got to see people face to face and say, look, it wasn't up to scratch. Just letting you know we're working on it, we're committed to it. And I think people appreciated that honesty of, you know what, we didn't get it right, but we're working on making it better. And that's kind of all you can ask for as a creative person or someone that creates things is, you know, you're always striving to make something better, whether it's products or design work for a client, you know, like you're always wanting to push your own boundary as well as what someone else expects of you. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. Um, now going back to your uh, work um, on the shop, uh, there is obviously a, a huge, um, you know, uh, following with your quotes and the uh, lettering of those quotes and the typography uh, behind that. So um, I'd just like to ask what uh, is a quote that you love um that that keeps you motivated and and positive and and focused um uh based on uh all the quotes that you've you've blasted out there um <laughs> through your your design yeah i mean there's so many and i'm always searching for new ones and my wife's often coming up with new ones and telling me and texting me and hmm. um i think like one of one of the quotes that really stands out to me, which we've never done, by the way, but it's love what you do, do what you love. And it's kind of cheesy and simple, but like, I think, I think kind of think back to when I first did work experience in year 10 and just that realization that you could love what you did for work and then you could do what you love. It was kind of just a real spin out to me. And I think even now, you know, like 15 years or whatever down the track and I still kind of come to work and I think, oh, it's so cool that I get to put the key in the door, open up, turn on my computer and, you know, just design all day and then go home. And it's, I mean, what else could you ask for really? Yeah, man. I think you have, um, you've also got, uh, you know, a sense of gratitude um, there. And, uh, you know, a lot of the times, um, as cheesy as it may sound with that quote, there's such a truth in that. I mean, undeniably, um, undeniably we almost can put ourselves in the in the too hard basket or um you know that limiting belief that uh, can sometimes creep up and say no nah, you know 
I can't, I can't do what I love or it's too hard or, um, it's not possible for someone like me or I don't deserve that. Um, you know, it does come from a deeper sort of, um, decision. Um, and it takes, um, ultimately ourselves, um, to really make that decision and and do what we love. So mate, you know, testament to you and everyone else that's doing what they love. Um, that's, that's really cool. Now I'm going to ask you some quick fire practical tips now on on five key areas. Um, anything that comes to mind advice that you may have, um, that has been passed on to you or lessons you've learned along the way. Uh, okay. You ready for it? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. So the first <laughs> is on education. Have you got any tips for those thinking about studying design or pursuing a creative field? Um, yeah. I mean, I can only speak from my own, my own one on this, I guess. But yeah, studying was huge for me. Like I learned a lot of things that I, I probably needed to know before I went in the industry. So I would say apply if you don't get in apply for somewhere else, apply the next year. But yeah, I'd say hugely important for sure. Yeah, unreal. I mean, it's always that that thing about, you know, uh, should I self-teach or should I yeah. or should I go study uh, at a college or university? How long for? Or, you know, there's there's so many things. But, you know, I, I think that you, you've got to study and learn design thinking and design execution somehow. Yeah. And I think it's, I think as well, it's more than that. You know, you're surrounded by 20 other students in the class that are pumped on design. Like that's pretty cool. You know, you learn as much from that as you do from doing the assignment, I think. Yeah. Good point for sure. All right. So the second is on design itself. Um, Any design tips for emerging designers or reminders for established designers? Um, I'd, I'd probably just say, just keep going with what you love and then that will determine your style. You know, like I, I was never into web, so I I never kind of touched it. I always was like doing hand stuff, scanning it in, laying that over photos. Like I always loved that textured element. So, yeah, I'd probably just say develop your style, mm. keep going, yeah, keep doing your thing for yourself. <laughs> that's right. There's, I mean, there's something to be said about um, uh, being drawn to, to something um, that you – actually enjoy uh, versus doing something that you don't really enjoy and designing something that isn't really your style and you know your best work's going to come from the stuff that you you are drawn to and that you've been exposed to and that you you know that you can't stop thinking about for sure yeah all right so the third one is on portfolio creation have you have you got any wise words when it comes to the portfolio um i would say kind of like what I try and do on my studio website is only put the top, top, top 10% of the best work on there and leave that 90% for no one else to see. Um, I think it just gives you a stronger representation of who you are, you know, when you're going for a job or people looking at your website online. I'd say if you're kind of umming and ahhing about a portfolio piece, just ditch it and you know, just put the best stuff up there. Yeah, mate. I'm so glad you said that. I mean, um, <laughs> you know, it's so easy to kind of go, oh, I'm just going to put everything on there. And and yeah. that's what a lot of, um, you know, designers starting out uh, do. And and I personally did that too. I'm just like, oh, I'm a, you know, I'm just going to chuck everything on there and, yeah. and just hope for the best. But you've got to curate your work. I mean, it's, it's a representation of who you are and, and it's better to get a f- great first impression 
on a few pieces than, you know, flooding it with average pieces and, you know, the attention's lost from the good ones. Um, All right. The fourth is on networking. Have you got anything to share when it comes to meeting people uh, and expanding uh, one's network online or offline? (laughs) I'm probably the world's worst networker. <laughs> oh, you've done well to uh, to get this far, mate. So, uh, you it's know, all, it's all it's all fake. Um, <laughs> I'd I'd probably just say like actually be yourself. Like, you know, I never tried to network like uh, you know king of the party guy might. Mm. I just kind of was you know normal with people and just was myself when talking to clients or potential clients. Um, and I hope that kind of translates online too. I think it's an interesting time in designers and young designers' careers when an employer could potentially look at your Instagram and then kind of just judge your whole feed and your kind yeah. of overall style. It's kind of scary, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I'd, I'd say there's kind of, you know, you kind of can't fool anyone online or in person. Mm. Like I think people are pretty savvy with if someone's trying to be fake or pretend that they're something that someone that they're not. So I just say, be yourself. Yeah, mate. Unreal. I mean, authenticity is, is huge. Um, yeah. when it comes to real engagement, um, uh, you know, at the end of the day, people can buy followers now and <laughs> you know, all these things, but it's you know, crazy thing. yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the real engagement really is, um, in, in communicating, um, you know, with integrity and authenticity, which I think shines through your work. So uh, at the end of the day, I think your work is spoken for itself. Um, yeah, I hope so. I, I'd probably say that too, let, let your work speak for yourself. And I think that's something that I've tried to do. Like I try not to talk the talk or, you know, try and convince someone, you know, you hope that someone will look at your website and think, oh, you know, I want to get them to work on my project. Yeah, mate, that's what we love here on the uh, Giant Thinkers podcast for sure, yeah. for sure. Um, all right, and the fifth area is on interviews. Have you got any tips on uh, interviews in your experience uh, that you can share? Um, I've probably only had one job interview in my whole <laughs> design career and that was for the surf mag, um, which we ended up just talking about surfing the whole time. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. That's a tricky one for me to answer. Yeah. I've had like, you know, obviously client, I've met new clients, you know, for big companies and that's been intimidating. But, you know, I guess, again, I've just tried to somehow convince them to let me do the work. And sure. Well, I guess it, well, whether it's interviewing for a job or getting a new client, I mean, it's yeah. really just about, um, I guess, uh, you know, communicating uh, what you do and and what value you can provide. So, yeah. I mean, you know, when it comes to clients, uh, a new one or, or trying to win their business, um, any, any tips on that regard? I would just, I would just say, yes, you can do it to anything, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, I remember when I first started the studio and, um, Jamie from one teaspoon, the fashion label said, oh, I really want you to do a, a, um, a yardage. Can you do yardages? And I said, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. And, um, I got off the phone and then Googled what is yardage. Uh, you know what I mean? So <laughs> Love it. I, yeah. I just, yeah, I think, you know, if you're pumped to do it, just say, yeah, you can do it and then work it out later. Well, that's it. Work I mean, do it. I think it was uh, the wonderful uh, Sir Richard Branson that even said, uh, uh, say yes and f- 
and figure out how to do it later. He did. I read that in his book too. Yeah, exactly. Mate, perfect. All right. So we've just got a couple of questions before we wind down now and finish up. Um, Swinging the needle a bit back to you. What, uh, what would a relaxing day look like for you when you're not working? Um, it's pretty easy just hanging out with the family at home or going surfing. That usually re-energizes the batteries. Yep. Yeah, I'm, pr- I'm pretty simple. If I'm kind of at home with the kids, it's, yeah, that's kind of me. Mate, that's it. Beautiful. I mean, I can't go wrong with nature, I say. Yeah. Um, now, what's next for you and the Blacklist Studio and the Blacklist Store? Um, yeah, there's always kind of lots of ideas in the pipeline and things we're going to do, um, which I guess, yeah, is half the fun of running your own, running your own company. You can kind of do whatever you want, nice. um, sometimes for good or bad. <laughs> um, yeah, we've got a new website launching. We've got lots of new products coming out and, you know, lots All of that new good things, stuff. Cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, planning on going over to the States sometime and launching over there too. So we'll oh, see. Exciting. Yeah, nervous, exciting. That's Good. unreal. That's unreal. I'm sure it's going to go really well for you. Um, yeah. Now, uh, for those listeners um, here, um, the website will probably go live. Uh, when do you think? Um, as I'm thinking mid, mid-September, yeah. Mid-September. So it might uh, be already mid-September as we're as, uh we're recording this. It's, uh, it's August. Um, uh, and it might even be after then when this goes live, but, uh, definitely check it out. Um, uh, how can listeners get in touch with you online? Um, and, and, uh, you know, feel free to, uh, to plug anything, um, for the, for the listeners if they want their own, um, blacklist prints. Yeah, I'd say for sure. Just, um, you can follow me on Instagram, blacklyststudio.com, black, Blacklist Studio, sorry. Um, and then the website, blacklyststore.com.au, and my studio site is blacklyststudio.com. And um, we'll have it, I'll have a chat with Ram later and work out how we can do a little uh, a little something for the for the giant thinkers listeners. Unreal, mate. That'd be awesome. I'm sure they'll they'll appreciate that. And um, and yeah, we we can uh definitely talk about that but uh you know definitely check that out guys and um uh, you know i think uh if there's if there's something to add value to the interior of your place it's it's definitely uh <laughs> you'll definitely find something really cool i think in in the uh, blacklist store so um I hope so. nathan thank you so much for hanging out with us uh on the giant thinkers podcast and for sharing your story it means a lot to me and I'm sure to those listening to hear about your journey. Uh, I'm sure many people can relate and, and I know that uh, you're going to continue to inspire and reach many people. Uh, look at you go, mate. You're, you're going to the States and all that um, with your work. So I can't wait to see more of your success unfold and um, you know, all the best with everything, mate. Thanks so much, Ram. Really appreciate it. Cheers, Nathan. Hey guys, thanks again for investing your time and listening to another episode here on Giant Thinkers. I hope you enjoyed that session with Nathan and were able to connect with his story. Now, before you race off, Nathan has generously given you guys listening 15% off all Blacklist products. All you need to do is enter the code GIANTTHINKERS at the checkout to get this discount. This offer ends on October 31st. And the website you need to go to is blacklyststore.com.au. Next up on episode number nine, I'm bringing to you a fine artist slash street artist 
who is based in Venice Beach, California. His art is featured internationally in cities including Melbourne, Sydney, London, San Francisco, Paris, Tokyo, Hawaii, Mexico, LA, and Hong Kong. This guy has some serious skills and talent, so stay tuned for that episode. A reminder to subscribe to the GiantThinkers.com mailing list and to this podcast on iTunes if you haven't already. It'd also mean the world to me if you leave a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for all those that have. I really, truly appreciate it. It just means that the show can reach more people who could really use the advice from the expertise of each guest. And lastly, this episode was sponsored by the wonderful organization that is Creative Live, the world's leading online classroom for professionals and creative individuals like yourselves, where you can hone in on your design skills from learning Adobe programs to typography, to UX, to portfolio creation, or even starting your career as a freelancer. It's all there. Take advantage of the massive 25% off discount on any Creative Live design class by using the code GIANTTHINKERS2. That's GIANTTHINKERS, the number two, but it's only valid until the 30th of November. So head to creativelive.com slash design and see what online design classes you can learn from to expand your skill set. Until next time, Giants, I'm Ram Castillo. Keep exploring, stay curious, and conquer those mountains.